Welcome to the Evolve Podcast, a podcast about disrupting your life to spark new evolution. Evolve your body, evolve your mind, evolve your soul, and evolve your tribe. And now it's time to disrupt. Miles, what, what's going on with your hair there, man? This is new. Yeah, it I, go is. Out, I go out of town on vacation. I come back and you've got, what are you, what are you going, Mr. T now? Oh, here you go. You know what? Like, you know, I can put you in the same group of everybody that looked at me and go like, Mr. T. People, instead of looking at something new, you're hunting for a reference. Uh, I'm not used to this. You know, I got to find a reference to cling to. So let me see, uh, 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 Mr. T. Anyway, it was it was a barbering accident that turned into a hairstyle. Left the, I'm serious. <laughs> Apparently, was, you're I taking was, a lot of offense to this. Uh, I, I, Mr. T was a uh, a cornerstone of my life growing I, up. I don't care what Mr. T I was. Love, Listen, I let me tell you something. I, I, have, I have I have learned this. I have learned this about people, especially and when when we when we bring the colon to we start talking about this because it relates. A lot of th th this, what I'm about to say is constellated around gratitude and, and all the ideas that come with gratitude of being present, being in the moment. Yeah. And what I'm starting yeah. to realize about most people is they don't live in the present moment. So when they get into a situation that's new, they grasp for references. They need a reference. They can't, you know, it's like hypothetically, let's say I, I, I just met Nicole for the first time. If I can keep my mind clear of any references, she's a teacher, white, blonde. If I can get rid of all those references and act like this is a brand new experience, let me see what happens. Then something interesting can happen. But if I'm nervous and I need a reference, I got to reference something just to be comfortable so I can't see her newness. You just did that with the Mr. T thing. You no. needed a reference for my hair. You couldn't look at it as a brand new, <laughs> I'm in the presence of something different. And you just went like, oh, I need a reference because his hair is making me uncomfortable. Uh, 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 Mr. T. All right, listen, you're waxing philosophical because if we're being honest, you screwed up your hair, right? Yeah, I did. I did. Yeah, and I kept yeah. it. And that's why you're waxing philosophical going off no, on no, this. No, 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 Come no. on now. Listen, if you check the greatest artists and musicians in the world, some they of their greatest compositions everything. came from screw-ups. Right. Yeah. And they stole from other people. They had references from other people. Look at the greatest so, artists. They all stole from each other. I did the not steal this from Mr. Artists. T. You did. Come on now. <laughs> hey, I'm it joking. looks that good. So much it, easier. So yeah, it, it actually looks really good. I'm I'm I like it. And you with the uh with the goatee, the color on the I, goatee. I'm loving that. I got the that from white. Um, you missed out. I love that. Yeah. I looked but in Nicole, the mirror you the just other said night. something. I Hold on, because I, I, I don't want to wash over what Nicole said. Nicole just oh, what said did Nicole something. Say? No, I just said I'm jealous. That would be nice to be able to, you know, do my hair that easily each day. Just all right. So yeah. after this, Nicole's going full Mohawk then. Well, I used to have, so I understand what she's saying because I used to have dreadlocks down to here. Yeah. And yeah. I had them for 10 years. And That's after a while, they you. just drove me crazy. I've seen those pictures. That was a good look on you. I've only known yeah, you. Yeah, I like the like, look, but the, the summertime, I would go crazy. It was just, I hated it in the summertime. It was and it was hot. one year I was, yeah, I was in LA with my brother. We were kind of drunk on this yacht. And he said, I'm cutting your hair tonight. And he got some scissors and he cut them off. And I just lay there and I was glad he did it. I had uh, like, thank you very much. I feel 20 years younger and a hundred pounds lighter. So that wasn't a mistake. What happened last week when you cut your hair, that was a mistake, mm -hmm. but your brother cutting your hair on the yacht was not a mistake. No, that wasn't. This was actually a mistake that I said I'm keeping. I like <laughs> it. Well, you know what else is not a mistake is our guest tonight uh, and her path in life. We are really fortunate to be joined by Nicole Johnson. And, you know, a lot of people, if you meet Nicole or you just know her online uh, as an IFBB fitness professional, you may not know that she is a highly educated uh, educator uh, and, and administrator. So uh, definitely not a mistake in Nicole's education and in her path in life. But uh, we want to welcome 
uh, Nicole Johnson to the Evolve podcast. Nicole is an IFBB Pro Bikini competitor. She's a middle school principal and a mother of five. She has always been involved in fitness and is a true competitor in life. As an early elementary school teacher, or excuse me, uh, as early as elementary school, Nicole had to win the push-up, sit-up, and mile run competitions. <laughs> that one actually made me laugh when I read that earlier. I love that. Uh, as well as throughout middle school. Uh, she had to be one of the few females who could climb the rope. That does not surprise me at all about you. Uh, fitness has always been a part of her life and a true passion, uh, but her true passion has also been education. As a high school student, she watched her uncle compete for Mr. Utah in bodybuilding, and this lit a fire for her to get on stage at some point in her life. As she continued to strength train and prepare to compete, she was also juggling being a mom and putting herself through graduate school. She began teaching in middle school and fell in love with it. Today, she's a middle school principal and has the privilege of working with over 1,200 students and 100 employees. She loves being a part of the change in today's youth and promoting academics, fitness, and overall health. Uh, it was also later in life that Nicole met the love of her life and her life partner, Dr. Vaughn Johnson, who uh, is also the love of my life, I have to tell you. <laughs> I absolutely love that man. Uh, and Vaughn shares the uh, same passion for health and fitness. Vaughn is, I tell him all the time that when I grow up, I want to be like him because he just looks amazing. Uh, Nicole has a bachelor's in accounting, a master's of business administration, and also a master's in educational leadership. Nicole Johnson, what a pleasure it is to have you joining us tonight. Well, thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. I, I appreciate the invite this, to, this evening. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I knew that when I started a podcast, I needed to have you on because uh, I've had some fascinating conversations with you. I'm just, uh, you know, your dedication to your health and fitness while being a seasoned professional, a mother, a wife, all of these things that you do is just unbelievable. Tell our listeners when you wake up in the morning. Oh, goodness. Well, to fit everything in for me, I've got to get up about 10 to 4 or 4 a.m. to make it to the gym before work. Uh, because after work, you know, all hell breaks loose and you've got kids to take care of. So got to wake up pretty dang early. So you're at 3.50 or 4 a.m. to get up and get what, what time are you getting to the gym? Usually about quarter after I, my husband makes fun of me too, because I'll just jump right out of bed through all my clothes and run. And I don't care what I look like. I don't have coats, jackets. It doesn't matter if it's 20 degrees outside. I just take off to get that workout going. As long as you get your workout clothes on, you're good to go. I'm good. Yep. Yeah. It's funny. I wake up at four 30 every morning. And when I, uh, I, I've stopped telling people when I wake up because I get the strangest looks, but I mean, you're up even before I am. Talk about what it took to get into the habit of getting up that early to get your day started. You know, I think it just, it fell back to prepping for a show um, in order to get everything in that you needed to get in your lift and your cardio and prepping your meals and fixing the proper breakfast that you have to have. Um, it just became a necessity because I knew the evenings, you know, I've got four boys who play sports and that comes first. So if I want to cut out time for me, it's just got to be in the morning. That's amazing. I think a lot of people make the excuse uh, that they are too busy. They've got way too many things going on. And you're living proof that you can be a busy professional. Uh, you can be a mother. You can be a wife. And uh, I, I'm sure with your role, you're involved in the community as well. Uh, and you can still stay healthy and fit. So when you when you're up at four o'clock in the morning, how long are you working out? What does that uh, look like for you? Well, I currently I'll lift for 45, 50 ish minutes. And then I try to do cardio for about 45 minutes. So I don't know, an hour and a half, two hours ish. I definitely have to leave the gym by six to get home and start getting ready for work. I have to leave for work at seven and just have the school up and ready and rolling by 7.30 a.m. every morning. Wow. And what I mean by that is I've got, as I said, 100 employees. So I've got to be 
the energy of the building. So as everyone walks in, teachers, students, staff, our counselors, our custodians, our nutrition workers, I've got to be there to greet them and welcome them each day. So it takes a lot of energy and I've got to have time before, after my workout and before I get here to kind of get amped up for that energy. Yeah, I mean, by the time that your staff gets there around, what, 7.30 is what you're saying? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You've already been up for three and a half hours or more. Yeah. <laughs> I know we talked oh. years ago, we kind of shared some, like, what are you reading? What am I reading books? Uh, and we had shared a few ideas on leadership books. I know that was something that you were very passionate about and uh, you are passionate about as a leader. So talk about how you're bringing that energy in your leadership role uh, as a principal. Yeah, so PD or professional development, as we call it, is something I'm super passionate about. And all my staff knows that um, I like to share my ideas with other principals and people who have to conduct PD as well. So like, for example, my husband turned me on to a podcast where Jim Quick was actually being interviewed by, I believe it was Dave Asprey. I don't even remember the host because I was so fixated on what Jim Quick had to share. Um, and he spoke a little bit about his Limitless book, which I have right here. And um, so I was trying to incorporate a Limitless right here. I was trying to incorporate a difficult um, practice into this school because this school is like, a, it's the highest performing in the state in English, ling uh, English language arts, math, and science, and always top in our district. So to be able to take a group and push them even further when they're already at the top is quite a challenge. Same with students. When you have students performing very well to get them to that next level takes a lot of work mm -hmm. because you're work continually focusing on extension. And then you've got you know, lower students or staff who don't understand the concepts of what we're doing. So um, when I listened to this podcast where Jim Quick was talking about his limitless ideas and upgrading your brain, and he's, you know, essentially a brain coach, I thought, what a great thing. This ties in exactly with what I'm trying to communicate to my staff, but it's not called standards-based grading, which is kind of a swear word to some teachers. So I kind of tried to manipulate his message into um, the developing of the strategy that we needed to improve to excel, you know, student learning and push our kids even, even more so. Um, so I bought every teacher the Limitless book and we started off with that two years ago in the fall, kind of referenced it all throughout the year. And then actually last fall, yeah, August of 2021, we invited Jim Quick to present in front of our staff. So anyone who might know him knows that's a pretty big deal. He is amazing. He's a celebrity coach, brain coach. He helps actors memorize their lines. And so I kind of aim big and really try to hit at home with teachers and students and pull out the emotion so that they connect to the message. And it's not just simply a message. So. I don't know. And every time I, you know, get in front of staff or we have a faculty meeting instead of business items, we're, we're learning and we pull in clips or ideas that are intriguing to them, but also tie it to curriculum and academics and pushing even further with achievement. How do you regulate your energy for this? Yeah. Like, Cause you know, I'm already fascinated that you get up at four in the morning. I'm like going to bed at four and, and you get up, you're at the gym, back home, eat, and you're there. And then where do you find lulls in the day of energy or how do you, how do you manage it? How yeah. do you manage a lull to get back on track again? That is how a great question that? because I, I notice I hit a low about probably 1230. It's in the middle of our lunches. So we have three lunches here at school with 450 students in each lunch. And myself and two of my VPs, vice principals, we're down there, you know, for the straight hour and a half with 450 kids kind of revolving through every 30 minutes and cleaning up after them and making sure they're not fighting, throwing food, you know, helping our nutrition workers. And that's probably where I hit my low because the energy it takes in that moment is a lot. 
because you've yeah. got to be present and you've got to be available for a lot of kids and a lot of people. So afterwards, I have an admin lunch with my assistant principals and my front office uh, secretary, who's amazing. And we kind of debrief and that's my low, but it's also I'm fueling my energy to be able to finish out the day with all the oh, kids, okay. and they, if that makes okay. sense. <laughs> yeah. Is, Is there a particular a way you eat? Um, I try to bring healthy options, you know, and prep and, but there's times where I'm like, Hey, DoorDash, what can you get me here in 20 minutes? <laughs> <laughs> That's great to hear because I think people that know you and see you know that you, you stay, uh, fit and healthy year long. So it's great to hear that you're, you're, uh, not always perfectly prepped with all of that. So talk a little bit more about the leadership piece. Um, you know, it becomes infectious when the leader is passionate about growth, passionate about development. And it really is no accident when performance is at a very high level. Uh, that essentially means that a leader has set a very high standard and, and that growth and development has become infectious. So w where is this coming from inside of you? Yeah, I think, you know, I think being a natural competitor and I don't mean fitness, but being competitive in anything that I do. Um, I want to represent our community. Well, I want to represent our district and our staff and students. Uh, we've got a phenomenal involved, heavily involved community and parents who care about how the kids perform, which I appreciate. And our staff, you know, has always had high standards even before I was here. So that part is not so difficult. I think the trick is you've got to build relationships with everybody. Everybody that walks through these doors in the morning needs to know that they matter and that you care about them. Otherwise, they won't perform. So regardless of who the leader is, if you don't show that you care about them, you're not going to get results. So and just being naturally an empathetic person anyway, I feel that that just comes naturally for me. You know, I lay awake at night if I'd have a teacher who's upset or a student who is going through a difficult time and I'm thinking about them. I do reach out to my staff after hours. They probably don't appreciate it, but I check in on them often just to make sure they're okay and to, you know, get to know them and see how I can support them best because they are on the front lines with our kids every day. I'm coming back to Utah working for you. <laughs> there you go. It's fun. It's hard, but it is a fun, it's a fun job. Yeah, I know it's hard. Yeah, I can imagine. I, it, it, I love the fact that you're talking about that you're bringing your natural empathy and your natural competitive nature to, to your job. But I think the other piece to it is that uh, when people have personal standards that they hold themselves to, very high standards, other people will rise to that as well. Talk about how your personal standards are affecting uh, your leadership and what that looks like for the rest of your team. Sure. I think, you know, I think truly because I'd been through a lot of trauma as a child um, and anyone who's familiar with the ACE scores, it's adverse childhood um, experiences. Uh, have either of you heard of that before? ACEs? No, no. no. So it, it would be interesting to look that up and take that quiz. Um, you're anywhere between zero and 10. So zero means you essentially had zero trauma as a child. 10 means you're above and beyond. Couldn't have any other thing happen. You've had about everything happen to you. So I have an A score of seven. And I think because of the things I've gone through as a child and having a strong mother um, and grandparents who helped support me as a kid, um, I really feel that that's where this comes from intrinsically is you know, I've seen the worst of the worst, but I was able to prevail and survive essentially. Um, and I think my resilience brings a lot to the table uh, versus someone maybe who hasn't had a, you know, had a perfect upbringing and didn't get to experience some of those things. To me, it makes me rich in that I can, I can relate and help bring things that maybe help save me um, that others may not have had the opportunity to experience. Isn't that interesting? People who have had really traumatic times, they tend to be very empathic 
but they also tend to be very competitive and determined as well. I, I remember reading a book, um, one of my favorite books on Winston Churchill, and they were uh, the author was talking about his life and how he grew up and um, all of the ups and downs that he had in his political career, but he became a person who could understand very deeply what the human condition was and what people were going through. But he was also the most determined SOB. And that's it, just, it, it, it's fascinating. You're, you're one of many people that I've had a chance to talk to who have said, hey, I've had trauma, I've had challenge, and that has been one of the greatest blessings. I know you mentioned in our pre-show that gratitude has played a significant role in how you live your life. Talk about how that's become a cornerstone and what that is uh, doing to continue to compel you forward. Yeah, I... You know, I, trauma as a child is one thing and, you know, living as a victim is another. And I think for part of my life, I may have, you know, in my early twenties or late teens saw myself as a victim in that, Hey, my dad, you know, committed suicide and I didn't have a dad. And I look at my friends who had ha had grown up with fathers and I was jealous and angry and bitter. And why did you get that experience? And I didn't. And you know, I went through a lot with um, ex-husbands and terrible marriage experiences. And when I started to recognize that, you know what, I'm not a victim. I can, I can control certain things in my life. And once I began to change that attitude, and this was probably, gosh, for me, it was late. It was probably late thirties. I really focused on the positives and began to write down, you know, daily affirmations and what things that I was grateful for and who I was grateful for. I noticed my life change. And that's when, you know, I met my husband when I was four, 39 or 40 was when that mindset began, began to change. And he was like no other partner I'd had in that he was grateful for me. And he had been through some things. I had been through some things and we were grateful for each other versus you know, being vulnerable to someone who might prey on that type of person, uh, victim mentality or yeah. someone who's viewed as, as weak. Um, so I noticed a lot of personal strength come uh, along with just the opportunity to meet people that you were supposed to meet versus those that you probably should avoid. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing what we attract when we really change our resonance in the universe when we change what we focus on if gratitude is there we tend to be more grateful um and and we we find people that are grateful for us i, I love what a beautiful story i didn't know that about your dad that he had committed suicide and that you had had those challenges uh early in life and you're now raising a couple of kids who uh, have had a, a father pass away as well right yes yes and my husband, Vaughn, he uh, adopted those boys. And it's just been an absolute blessing for those kids because, you know, he brought up to me, Hey, what if something happened to you? And those kids had nobody and I really want to be there for them to take care of them. And so he stepped up to the plate, gosh, only knowing him, you know, I think it was less than a year that he stepped up and adopted those boys. So, wow. Yeah. It's an amazing story. I remember seeing the pictures and then talking to both of you afterwards and what a, what a beautiful experience that was. Um, but, but what a great man that you've attracted into your life after having some trauma. And I, I don't want this to get lost on our listeners. That this happened at what age of life? You said you were 39, 40? Yeah, which is late, you know, but I, once again, I didn't change my mindset really until my late thirties. I had been literally through hell from 27 until 39. And I, what a, what a difference that has made for me, which is why I got this. Ooh, uh, I like that tattoo. This tattoo gratitude, because, you know, anytime really anyone cool. asks, I say, that's truly what changed my life. And it's never too late. It really so, isn't. You know, and we talk about 39, 40, I joke with Miles all the time about his age, but it, uh, I've, it's mainly just because I feel old. Um, <laughs> did you like that, Miles? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can't philosophize on that one. But yeah, the reality is, 
it's we tell ourselves on a regular basis oh i'm too old for this i'm too old for that we're never too old you know i we're never too old for any type of change i truly truly believe that and i think that that is an important lesson from your life and from what you're doing now um you mentioned age before so obviously you're over 40 at this point yes mid 40s (laughs) and you're still you're still competing I'm I'm trying. Goodness, it gets harder and harder. You think, oh well, as my kids grow up, you know, it'll be easier. But gosh, and my my career and my job has really kept me in the front seat and busy. And I've got to, you know, I've got to focus on my kids and my career first. And competing is just a hobby. But yes, I would like to compete this year um, as a pro in my mid forties and just. It's a, it's a fun challenge. It's a mental challenge more than a physical challenge. Talk about that. A lot of people say that, that it's a mental challenge to compete. It's a mental challenge to stay in shape on a regular basis. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, before you go on, I want to say this before the podcast ends. I got to get this out. You were ahead when I was working at Lifetime. There were eight to 10 people who I always looked forward to them walking in the gym. And you were one of them because, because you you always seem like when you came in, you would, if, if you and I interacted just through saying hi, we never really talked a lot, but we would always say hi to each other, but I would always watch you come in. And it seemed like you, you didn't suffer fools easily. You, you took care of the work you needed to do. And it just looked like it was, cause I remember there was one client I was, um, oh my God, it was our Andrew. And I, I'll never forget the day I told Andrew, because Andrew used to bullshit around a lot. And, and I, you came in and I told Andrew, I said, just just watch her, just 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 watch. And you know, it sounds a little stalkish, but we were at, I was trying to get him to see somebody who comes into the gym, who took it very seriously, who was dedicated. There was just something about me, it was like 10 other people who I used to look at and love when you walked into the gym all the time. So I wanted to get that out. So, well, thank you. I feel like I always had that R, what is it? RFB? No, RBF. Oh, the rest of the bitch face. Yeah. So, so, go ahead. And like with blinders, and I just want to go in and get my work done. And, you know, I, I mean, I appreciate kind people. And, um, you know, I've, gosh, I have a lot of parents of my students who go to the gym, but. I try to get in and out mostly because I'm on a time frame with my kids, you know, and I've got to get business done, but I appreciate that. Cause I almost feel like, you know what, people probably think I'm just not a nice person because I'm in a hurry all the time. Well, I, I used to get in debates. I used to get into debates with guys who would use that term. Like I personally, I don't like that term. I, I swear. I hate it. I, I will argue with people because I keep thinking that RFB is really like a a man's excuse if a woman is totally serious about what she's doing like who who's going to come into the gym knowing they're going to have an intense workout who's going to be fucking smiling all the time and this and that and and so you get guys and I've, i've heard guys say this to women like you know hey honey you should smile and whenever i hear that like i want to cut their heads off (laughs) it's like (laughs) it's aggressive because it's because it's a it's a term created because because men are uncomfortable with how serious women can get when they're working out. Well, it's it, whenever, intensity and the intimidation, right? Yeah, and whenever men be. run into that, they come up with this term like RFB, and then there's women that buy into it now. Yeah. But I just it just always bugged me because, like I said, you come into the gym, you're working out, you're dead serious, you're thinking about how to reshape your body or shape your body, reps, all of the things that go into training. And you're focused on that. And then here comes some doof going, hey, you know, you should smile more. Like, Well, and for me, it's like everyone goes probably for different reasons, right? Some might go to socialize, some might go to pick someone up. But for me, you know, when you're in a committed relationship and you're on a mission and you got a time constraint, you're in and you're out. And anyway. So, yeah. So talk, talk a little bit about the, uh, the, the mindset that it takes. Cause uh, you, you, yeah. you do have that, that mindset of just getting down to business, but what do you mean when you talk about that, this, you know, getting in shape and competing, this is more of a mental game for you. What do you mean? Yeah. I, I think, 
you know, and I, I understand men go through this as well, but I can relate from a woman's perspective in that I feel like you have these voices yeah, and you're continually have one saying, uh, that's, you're not good enough. That's, you know, or gosh, you look like this, or you need to do this more. That's not good. You know, picking you apart all the time and it's inside and you've got to learn to quiet that voice and just focus on, but you know what? I'm better than I was yesterday. I'm doing this. I'm here. I'm, you know, fulfilling what it is I need to do. So it's just kind of the being critical of yourself and, or social media creates a lot of problems, um, for competitors, I believe, oh, who am I going to be up against or trying to compare yourself instead of just focusing on you and easier said than done. It's not easy to turn that off because our world revolves around social media nowadays. And you're going to look, you're going to watch, you're going to look, you're going to compare your, your self-esteem could be affected by this. So you have to be strong mentally to be able to, you know, really follow through with something like this, I think. And especially to do it over and over my, my sister's a masseuse and she was giving me a massage massage today. And we were talking about competing and she said, you know, isn't it funny that like, listen to yourself, you, you put yourself on stage. You don't like people being critical of you, but you put yourself on stage and what is it all about? It's about criticizing every single aspect of your entire body. Mm. And you choose to do that. You know, I'm like, isn't that, isn't that something else? But at the same time, I know my competitive nature and that, yeah, but you know what? I want to do better than I did. And I want to be over 50 years old and be able to look as good as, or better than I did in my twenties. I just want to defy the aging process and I want to live a long, healthy life. And, um, yeah. So I don't even know if I answered your question, Steve, but no, I think it's a great answer because it's, it really is. It's about the different voices that we have in our head. I thought about that this morning. I woke up, um, you know, we got, we got delayed two days on our most recent vacation, uh, coming home ended up sleeping in the airport one night, uh, because we couldn't find a hotel room. All 27 of us, we had this big family reunion in Hawaii and you know got home 48 hours after we had planned and i literally went to bed at 4 30 which is normally when i wake up so woke up the next day um after i I'd slept a few hours that day woke up the very next day at my normal time popped out of bed went to the gym and then this morning was the morning where it hit me and i woke up and i heard that voice and i haven't heard that voice for a while but that voice just said you know the bed the bed is warm it feels better maybe today's a rest day and it's amazing what that voice tells you <clears throat> pardon me sometimes it's critical sometimes it's just seductive to tell you to not go do what you want to do and i laid there for a couple of seconds and i just i felt the bed and i thought maybe it is a rest day and then immediately <laughs> i said no because I don't trust this voice. This voice is weak, pathetic, and will go away immediately once I start moving. Got up out of bed, went through my morning routine. I didn't hear that voice again. But everybody has that voice, or they have multiple iterations of that voice that create the negativity. What is it that you do to quiet that voice and keep moving forward? See, you're lucky. My my bed has arms and legs and holes me in it. <laughs> my bed just you ain't going nowhere. Well, you guys probably know as well as I do. Every time you listen to that voice, it is a bad outcome. It's either you feel terrible about yourself yeah. or you regret not doing what you should have done or You know, I, so I just always have to focus on how I feel when I don't listen to that. Um, Same thing in the morning, you know, gosh, I could skip the gym today. I've done 12 days in a row. I should just give myself a day off. You know what? When I do that, my husband and I agree, your day sucks. Like I don't like the way I feel. So I just have to remind myself, okay, well, it'll be nice to sleep right now, but I know the rest of my day is going to suck. And Miles, when you talk about energy, I'm low all day when I do that versus I get up, I go, I hit maybe one low instead of, you know, longer periods of my low. So it's easier said than done for sure. But I think just remembering anytime you do listen, it's a bad outcome, at least for me. 
Yeah, it's really seductive, but you're right. If you listen to it, you're going to get that bad result. And uh, I think remembering that and remembering what that feels like. But I'm the same way. I, I have a really hard day or time taking a day off. There's a couple of days during the week that I call my rest days. Mm-hmm. And they're not rest days. They're just days where I'm not training as intensely. Because what I found is a quote is, is what normal people would call a rest day. Mm-hmm. I feel horrible. I just don't have the energy. I'm like you. Uh, I've got to get up. I got to keep moving. Um, <clears throat> talk about so, your training. Yeah, I was going to do on a day to day basis. How does that how does that change? Because I know it's not the same every day. Yeah. And I was going to just mention that too. I've asked my coach, you know, Shane, hugely, I have asked, gosh, I haven't taken a day off in 12 days or 14 days or two weeks or whatever. Does that matter? And he's like, no, just, you know, listen to how you feel and listen to your body. And yeah, so I got to remember that too, because I mentally, it's not very healthy for me not to go. I, I think I do it mostly for my mental health, even though it could be perceived as it's for aesthetics, you know, or, or your outside appearance, but truly for me, it's my Prozac. I would be jumping over <laughs> if I did not live. But, um, no, my training is just, you know, I do two days, shoulders, one day, arms, two days back, and usually two days, legs ish okay. each week. And, We've had different goals, Shane and I, and so I, you know, and the last year I've kind of just been doing my regular routine because I didn't know if I was going to step back on stage. Uh, Last year was a hard year and, um, you know, so I was just doing it for mental reasons really for the past year, but it's fun to have different goals and different things that the bikini division is always evolving and changing. Um, so trying to keep up with that at the same time, aging, <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, there, there are changes that happen with aging. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. You mentioned a couple of things I want to touch on, um, the mental aspect of it, you know, for a lot of people that get into this and make consistent training a lifestyle, there is such a benefit to it mentally. And it really doesn't matter what anybody else says that you should be doing to train. If it's right for you and it's great for your mental health, that's the way to go. I've tried all sorts of meditation. I've done seated, I've done standing, I've done uh, Tai Chi, yoga, you name it. I've taken courses, classes. The best meditation for me is when I'm strength training. That's the time where I can breathe, I can focus, I can, I, it is the absolute best thing for my mental health. And I think that that's something that people miss. But you also said something else that it's, I, I, I want to quote you correctly. I thought you said it's not just for the aesthetic, right? Absolutely. Right. It is not just for that. In fact, unless I'm, I, I mean, I want to be healthy. I want to fit in my clothes for the rest of my life. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong, but truly I know myself well enough to know that if I were unable to be active, I would really have to shift my mindset and focus again once in my life to be able to handle that because I've got to move. Um, Strength training is my passion and my love. Um, It's a place where I can be emotional and nobody knows, you know, I could be crying in the middle of a set and nobody knows because I'm just in my zone, but I'm also releasing something that you know, had I let continue to build up, I would break at some point. Mm. Um, same with hiking. I love golfing as well. Golfing mm. too, more mm. for fun, but hiking is a place where I can let go. Um, if I didn't have any kids and I weren't married, I probably would be in the mountains 24 seven. Yeah. A lift and then be in the mountains. Um, Live in a van a down by the river and just lift and hike. Yeah. I, I haven't spent very much of my life alone. Um, you know, I had my first daughter when I was 23. She's almost 22 now. And, but I know when I'm lifting or I'm hiking, I'm perfectly comfortable in my own skin. And that's where I can, you know, meditate. Yeah. So let's, let's, let's do a little bit of a 180 because I'm totally fascinated with you. You are what seems to be a very powerful educator and you're concerned about education and kids and performance. 
yet you have these kids. How do you reconcile? Like, and I'll tell you where this is coming from. My son, my his his mother and I are huge readers. All right. If you walked into my apartment, it's basically bookshelves and books I read all. His mother is a tremendous reader, but his mother is also an educator. She's a college professor. Okay. My son, who does really well in school, he's an honor student, but he hates reading. And one day we were we were sitting there, we were having a conversation about what's coming down the pike when he eventually goes to college and that he should at least start to exercise that muscle now. And, you know, he kind of understood it a little bit, but when the conversation was over, my ex-wife and I, we were sitting there and it was like he took a dagger and just jabbed us in the throat when he said that. <laughs> you know, so when, he, when I, I get him like three and a half days a week, I come in, he has never looked at my bookshelves. He has never just kind of like, let me just go. He never asked my ex-wife, what are you reading, mom? And and that's just like a dagger, like a dagger. Yeah. Yeah. Now, he is, he's an interesting kid. He does find ways to get really some information sometimes that I'm fascinated with, you know, so he's not a like a kid who's like stupid. He's actually, he's an honor student. But how do you reconcile, you're, a, you're an educator. Are there any things your kids have done <laughs> to make you mildly disappointed you know, just now because yes. you are, yeah. It's, it is, it is hard, especially being an educator and all your kids are different, right? I mean, yeah. I've got five kids, set of twins included in that. And even the twins are, and they're identical twins. They are completely different. I would be very patient with the reading. I think if kids are seeing you read and your wife, your ex-wife read, and they see the passion that you have in that or what you pull from that or sharing things that you're reading, I think it will come. Even for me, I wasn't a reader as a young kid. You know, I mean, I was survival mode, but um, I enjoy reading now. I need to make more time for it. But I've, I've kind of watched my kids and even our students here, and they're all so different. But I think just sharing your passion with what you're learning um, my husband's great at that. He listens to a lot of podcasts, read a lot of books, and I watch his kids just pick up the books or buy the books or start, you know, and they're adults who probably weren't super into reading as, as young kids either. Um, and my kids are all different. You know, my son, who's a junior, he's straight A, super athlete. And my daughter was more of an artsy, fartsy, didn't give a crap about academics, but she's, you know, her own person. And yeah. It is. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a tricky, it's a tricky thing, but I think just sharing your passion and having them watch you do what it is you want them to do. They'll pick it up. He'll pick it up. Yeah. Yeah. That's just, are fun. there any things your kids that you, did you, do you look at them and you see like little things that, that it's hard of like, yeah, that's hard or a little bit annoying, but you don't, like, <laughs> we, we don't, I don't never put pressure on him to read, you know, I actually pretty much do what you said. If I read something, I kind of start to talk to him about what I'm reading and why I'm excited about it. And I've done that, but you know, yeah. I'm just like wondering, is there anything your kids do? Oh, gosh. Look go? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Unorganized. Like I'll have Gage, one of my twins will come home. His papers are in his backpack like this, you know, and Gar and Garrick, I probably should even say who's who, but Garrick comes home. <laughs> like just a total disaster and I've even posted a picture of it because it's like here's the little that's hard for me because I'm like I'm trying to be accepting of who they are but at the same time I'm like dude if you had your paper straight and you knew where everything was and every you know you would your life would just make so much more sense it would be so easier. But you know what okay. sometimes they just know it's like yeah it's a total wreck over here but I know exactly where this is and this is and yeah. That for yeah. me is hard personally, but you know, I'm trying to just take a deep breath. It'll be all right. Okay. <laughs> that's exactly what I do. Take a deep breath. <laughs> and just I always ask, is this something that's going to be a problem when he's older? Or is this just a developmental thing? And if it's a yeah. developmental thing, I could walk away from it. It's like, okay, because in two years he won't be doing that. Right. So we haven't spotted anything that's going to be a problem yet. So it's mostly developmental. So I learned, and then when we talked to friends of ours who have kids with the same age, it's almost as if we could trade kids 
and still go through the same stuff. <laughs> well, and it's hard with one because I've got five, so I could be like, okay, this one, not so great in this area, but this one's great in this area and got a little bit of this going on, you know, but you, you build a good basketball team. You got five. So yep. as long as you got everybody balanced on there, that is a tough thing. I think it's a tough thing as a parent. It's a tough thing as a leader to, uh, accept people where they're at, but then also yeah. help them to continue to grow and yeah. taking the ego out of it, realizing that they're not going to be you. They're not going to do things the way that you're going to do them. And yeah, that's, that's okay. Huge. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, a, huge. That's, that's a big piece. I want to yeah. jump back just for a minute, though, uh, Nicole. I, I love what we were talking about when you were talking about the, the mental uh, benefits that you get from working out. But I also want to touch on the aesthetic piece. While you may not be doing the what you're doing necessarily just for aesthetics, I, I, I'm really strongly opinionated that aesthetics matter. I believe that societies that do well focus on aesthetics. They build beautiful buildings. They focus on beauty. They uh, prioritize art and culture. Um, this is something that my wife and I are adamant about. You know, we go to the symphony on a regular basis. We love art. We love consuming uh, beautiful music, beautiful food. Uh, we want to, you know, have our home, the way we look, the way we dress. We want it to be aesthetically pleasing. And I think that what's happened in our society in the last several years in particular is there's been this anti-culture, um, you know, ugly is the way that we should go that, or anti-aesthetic is the way we go. And I, I just, I, I don't believe that. I also don't believe that there's anything wrong with training so that you can look the way you want to look. And I, for some reason, we have put it out there to say, well, you shouldn't train for looks. And I asked myself, and I would ask my clients this when I used to train, why not? What is the negative side effect of looking in the mirror and seeing a better looking body than you had six months ago? I've never heard a person that says, oh shit, I'm in better shape. I hate this. Right. I look better. I, I'm leaner. I like, it's unbelievable. We don't walk outside and stare at those beautiful mountains and wish they were uglier. We don't stare at a flower and wish it looked different. And so aesthetics and beauty matter. So you're competing for health. I get that. You're competing well, for longevity. But let's be honest. You're competing in bikini, right? So right. there's an aesthetic to this. There is. And I don't think competing is healthy or for longevity, um, sure. to right. be honest. But health and fitness is a passion of mine. So yeah. yeah, you're right. I mean, a lot of the things my husband preaches is the exact opposite of what I do because it's for competing and it's for that certain body fat percentage on, you know, on stage. Um, but no, I, I mean, obviously that's what drew me to competing in the first place is, you know, I always felt somewhat athletic growing up and I wanted to push myself to the extreme limits to see if I could get the exact figure that I wanted. Um, mm which it was fun to go through that process and be like, Oh my gosh, I eat this much more food and my body gets smaller and I have more muscles. And that was so fun to see that you could actually do that. Um, so definitely there's an aesthetic piece to it. Um, I, I think the bikini bodybuilding bodies and physique physiques are beautiful. Um, I, if I could walk around like that all day, every day, I would be very happy with myself. However, I know that, you know, for the longevity and health, I don't think that that is very wise. Um, yeah, being, being that lean no. is not healthy, right? No. I mean, it, it's no one should should be, no one can be really stage lean uh, in the long term. There's way too many side effects, way too many health issues. But the, but the training for it and having a certain aesthetic throughout life I still don't think there's anything wrong with that. Sure. Let me, can I, no, let me no, just go ahead. No, you go ahead. Nicole. I was just going to say, I just, to me, it's not a vanity thing in terms of, you know, I'm so into myself that I have to do this. It's just more, right. You now my husband and I have talked about this. When you see a physique or a person with a certain build, it's admirable because it's like, wow, that's 
to me, in my mind, that's how the body should be built and structured. And that shows they can either jump or they can run or they can lift or they can, you know, do the things that our bodies are designed to do versus, oh, you're too, you know, it doesn't look like you would be able to lift a rock or move it over here or what, you know, just back to our natural instincts and. Yeah, because I mean, I, I look at I look at your husband, and um, I think he he's got a couple of years on me, but he is he's inspiring to me, and I told him that I said, Vaughn, I want to look like you for the rest <laughs> of my life. I mean, he just he looks great, and he looks like that all the time. And yes, he got a little bit leaner because he did a competition, uh, sure. or maybe he's done a couple of them, right? But um, but he looks great all the time. That's inspiring to me. And I see the way you guys live your life. And it's just, it's, that's inspiring as well. I just want to address the whole idea of aesthetics because I think that's the interesting um, point you made, but I, I think it, you, you, you basically contracted aesthetics because when you talk about a beautiful building, a beautiful architecture, there's so many different types of that architecture that still can be Absolutely. considered beautiful. Yeah, you look at sure. a, a mountain range and the mountain range, they, 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 they're all different. Mm -hmm. So and then all of a sudden, when we start talking about people's aesthetics, the reference for a beautiful body is very limited. So I, I think it's, it's more important to talk about mm -hmm. wellness as opposed to the aesthetics. There are certain people who can actually get that type of aesthetic and it's beautiful to look at. But there's many people outside of that aesthetic that are still healthy people and wellness. If you looked at internal metrics, you know, all of the things, you know, the ratio of HDL, LDL, cholesterol, total cholesterol, triglycerides, um, body composition. I, you know, I'll never forget that moment I was in the pool trying to swim and this big guy came in and anybody looking at him, you go like, he's fat. And I did three lengths and he swam for 45 minutes. No, I agree. And I Totally agree because I, you know, I, even with women, I think some women can pull off curves way better than I could. And I think they are absolutely beautiful and their, yeah. you know, their body composition may be much different than mine, but, you know, Steve, I still think that to me is aesthetically pleasing. Right. Everyone just carries themselves differently. Right. And, yeah. um, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think I don't, I don't think there's a narrow construct of beauty. I think I'm, I'm with you. I, I'm Miles. I'm not saying that there is only one way that there is a bodybuilding way. And that's the beauty way. Right. I, I believe bodies are beautiful when they're expressed in their highest form, just like architecture, just like okay. mountains or seas or whatever it is. Right. right. I mean, I I'll tell you flat out, I told my wife when she finished competing, she had one competition. And she says, what do you think? I said, well, I, do whatever you want. If you want to comp continue to compete, I will support you. I don't find you as attractive when you're that lean. I find you more attractive when you have curves on you. Like to me, that's beauty for her. And I actually think she looks wonderful the way she is. And that's, but yet there are other people that I see that are very lean or very muscular. I think that's beautiful too, because yeah. everybody's body is different. And I think one of the most important things, and Nicole, you touched on this about you have learned what works for your body. You, you, you know, and you listen to your body and you listen to your mind. How many people know what the best expression of their body is? How many people right. are putting the time and the effort in to creating their best expression? I, right. you know, there is, no I agree with you there. Yeah, there's no I agree way with that. I'm going to be a big bodybuilder. When right. I get muscular, when I get lean, you just look at me and you're like, well, there's a skinny guy, right? I mean, that's it. I, I could put on another 30, 40 pounds. As soon as I throw a shirt on or a sweatshirt or a jacket, you'd still look at me and say, there's a skinny guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, But there is a there's a best expression beauty of my body when I'm putting my effort in, right? Right. And I think that's the key. If right. when I put when I it, it's like a painting, if I'm throwing a painting together, if I'm sketching something, I can do a half ass job and it's going to turn out not very beautiful, not very aesthetic. Right. But if I put time and effort into it and that's my best effort, then there's going to be more beauty to it. And I just I'm a big believer that 
whether you are tall, short, wide, narrow, it doesn't matter. But if you create your best body and you are going after an aesthetic, there's nothing wrong with that either. None of us choose ugly homes. None of us pick <laughs> ugly clothes. And none of us go out there and say, who is the ugliest piece of shit that I can marry? I have to add to this because yeah, please one of my, one of my best friends is she's a, she's, you know, a larger frame. Um, she takes care of her skin, her face, her, her hair, you know, Big she, part of it. she yeah. is, and she is funnier than hell. And to me, she is absolutely gorgeous. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. who she is. And I, I, I mean, she takes care of herself. She's funnier than hell. And to me, that's attractive. Even though the body is completely different than what I myself would like to be. She is anyway, it's just, it's just interesting perspective. And yeah, beauty doesn't come in in one form, right? right. Yeah. We can, we can appreciate many forms of beauty, many, many aspects of the aesthetic. If you can, it's, it's almost like, the, and you know, Steve, I talk about this a lot, but it's like the, the energy of the cosmos, if it can get through you and you can express that, you know, in your expression, like I, Steve, I love that phrase when you said the best expression of yourself. I love that. I love that. I think we, we should go and just like collectively turn that into a, a movement because it's the best expression of yourself. Because yeah. if somebody knows how to allow the cosmic energy to come through them and then, you know, and they're big, but they're doing yoga and they're swimming and, and, and their internal numbers are just off the charts. That's, that's stunning beauty right there. And they radiate happiness. That right. They radiate happiness. Right. They, they, yeah. yeah. That, cause that's really what it is. And, and I think that is, and that's, that's beautiful to me. That is aesthetically beautiful. I might be saying all of this because I'm defending my, my pot belly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Nicole, um, I, I, we're coming up on our time and I want to make sure we got a little bit of time for our rapid fire questions. I think you brought some great wisdom for our um, listeners. uh, The way we do our rapid fire is I'm going to ask the question. And so either in one word or one phrase, what is your answer? Okay. okay. You ready for the rapid fire? Got it. Yep. Ready. All right. So I'm, I've actually got a new rapid fire question just for you. What are you reading right now? Mastermind by Daniel Bauer. Very nice. What is your top book that you've read in the last year? I would say limitless. Okay. Let's talk disruption. How do you disrupt your life in order to spark new growth? get out of my comfort zone. Okay. And how do you feel like you've evolved over the years? Um, hopefully in a very wonderful way, just like wine. Beautiful. <laughs> you mean how? I don't know how to answer that. That's a great answer. I love it. Uh, if you could go back 10 years and give your former self advice that would push your evolution forward, what would it be? It would be to change your mindset and focus on gratitude. Awesome. Nicole, final question for you. And this one isn't part of our uh, rapid fire. So take your time on this one. Uh, At Evolve, we believe that people evolve their lives by stacking one simple habit on top of another. It doesn't have to be hard. It just has to be consistent. What's the most important habit you want our listeners to build? Well, I think you answered it in your question, consistency. Um, doing what it is that you need to do over and over until you get better and better, or you achieve what you need to through that consistency. I love that. Resilience really makes a big difference in life, doesn't it? It does. You never know if you quit, but if you just keep going, it's amazing how life can turn out. Right. Yep. Well, Nicole Johnson, you are an inspiration. Thank you so much for coming on to our podcast tonight. Um, what a great conversation uh, that we've had. And I think uh, I, I learned some great things. I really appreciate you sharing your wisdom with us. And on that note, folks, it is time for us to wrap up another episode of the Evolve Podcast. We want to thank our guest, Nicole Johnson, for joining us. And my co-host, uh, the man with the pot belly, W. Miles Riley. Yeah, the pot belly and the Mr. T look. 
<laughs> thank you all so much. Thank you. It's been a joy. Yeah, Nicole, no, thank you for, for joining us. We're yeah, we're really appreciative. If people want to follow you and follow your personal evolution, what's the best way for them to do that? It's IFBB Nicole Johnson on Instagram or Nicole Briggs Johnson on Facebook. Awesome. We will link that in the show notes. And folks, remember, it takes time and consistency to evolve. But first, you have to disrupt. But now it's time for you to get out there and evolve. And evolve. Thank you for listening to the Evolve Podcast. If you like this episode, share it with your friends. Follow us on Instagram at evolve underscore cast and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcasting app. And now it's time for you to get out there and evolve.